thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning, and it's great to be sharing on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ed, and uh, for those of you who do, you'll probably remember me from my time on the leadership team here at the Light Church. And uh, as I said, we're going to look at Jesus in Garden of Gethsemane. Last week, we had um, Steve speaking to us on Palm Sunday, and one of the things that Steve said was he was teaching us a little bit about how to read the Bible. Um, he, he asked us this question, who can you see in this story and can you associate with them? And if you uh, were watching, you'll remember he drew out the examples of the worshipper, the observer and the objector. And uh, today we're going to take another approach of uh, helping us to read the Bible and look at how we can engage with the text. We're going to ask ourselves, why is it important that the disciples included this? And what are they trying to teach us about Jesus and his higher perspective? So, the scene. We're in the Garden of Gethsemane. The olive press at the bottom of the Mount Olives. And it's on the other side of the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. It's all useful context, just kind of setting the scene about where we are and what is going on. Jesus and his disciples have just been celebrating the Passover feast together. And uh, this is a traditional Jewish festival that commemorates God freeing his people, the Israelite people, from slavery in Egypt over a thousand years ago. So what's Jesus doing here? What's he trying to teach his disciples? And what are they in turn trying to teach us about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because this passage here is one that is so important that it appears in all four gospel accounts and has gone into great detail in three out of the four. So there's clearly something that's important for us to learn. Jesus is showing us a higher perspective for when we face trials. And today we're going to look at what strengthened Christ and how it can strengthen us when we face trials as well. So Jesus is preparing. He's preparing to take on the biggest trial of his life and one where he knows it's going to take every ounce of his strength to go and to bear the cross and tackle sin and shame and death itself. And I don't know where you're at this morning, whether you feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of the death, where the weight of the world is on your shoulders and it's taking every ounce of your strength just to get by. Or whether you feel like you're in a, in a green pasture place where you feel actually that there's a lightness to your step and there's very little to worry you about. Now, probably realistically, you're probably somewhere in between those two places. But wherever you are, I believe that there's something in this passage that uh, Jesus is trying to reveal to us about that higher perspective that we can have when it comes to facing trials. 
So let's take a look at three things we can learn from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Firstly, we know that this place was well known to Jesus and his disciples. In Luke's Gospel, it actually says Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And in John's Gospel, he recorded that Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. This place was so well known to Jesus and those who walked with Jesus that his betrayer felt confident to bring the guards to arrest him there. So when you're about to face your biggest challenge, the first thing that we can learn then there is that probably now isn't the best time to start in your prayer life. In fact, it's those habits and those spiritual rhythms that we create in the good times that strengthen us when life gets hard. So be found in prayer when the challenges and the trials come. And I'll be honest, this isn't easy. You know, especially over this last year where our rhythms and routines seem to change on a weekly basis, where the government update the rules and guidelines, or kids are at home, kids aren't at home, all sorts of things like that. And I'll be honest with you, I think it's only going to get more difficult as we move into this next phase, as we start to move into the next normal. You know, for me personally, when lockdown struck, I, I lost my commute and many people will be frustrated by commutes, that kind of thing. But for me, I had 50 minutes where I walked to work. And in that time, I was able to commune with God and spend time seeking him. And losing that has been really challenging for me, where I haven't managed to find a suitable regular replacement in some of that stuff. Finding a pattern has been difficult and nothing has quite compared in that for me. And so as I, as I bring this to you, I personally am challenged as I read of Jesus who goes out and he prays at the Garden of Gethsemane right after having a big meal with his friends. Now, I don't know about you, but when I've had a big meal after a long day, I'm more likely to fall, in front of the, uh, fall asleep in front of the TV than I am to get up and go and pray on a mountain on the other side of town. So there's something there for me to kind of take away and wrestle with, and I'd encourage you to do the same. You know, have a think about this. Where's that place for you where you rest in God, where you're able to find peace and get his higher perspective on your life? Is there something you need to go back to doing that you were once so faithful in? Or is there a new routine that you need to pick up to help you work through the challenges and trials that come our way? This habit of prayer is what strengthened Christ. And if we put similar practices in place, it can strengthen us too. Secondly, he invites the disciples to wait and he invites them to watch. And then latterly, he invites them to pray. And we can sometimes miss that in this, he invites them to pray, not for him, but for themselves, to pray that they wouldn't fall into temptation. And I think sometimes the power of this word temptation has been lost or somehow diminished in society, reduced to glib marketing campaigns or perhaps names for reality TV shows. But God and the God of the Bible take temptation seriously. You know, we're in a garden in this story and Jesus starts talking about 
temptation. Where have we heard temptation in gardens before in the Bible? It's in the Garden of Eden, isn't it? It should make our ears prick up as we start to think about that for a moment. That temptation that caused Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of knowledge and good of good and evil led to the snake being cursed, the ground being cursed, Adam and Eve banished from the garden. The writers of the gospel are telling us, they're they're calling us to think about a moment where something is going to happen. A choice is going to have to be made. A choice where we choose between God's kingdom, the garden kingdom, or the kingdom of Satan, the deceiver in this scenario. And you know, Jesus was confronted with the same choices in the desert when he was tempted by Satan. So can I ask you today, when those temptations come, where are we on those journeys? What are those questions that are asking us and tempting us to move more towards the kingdom of Satan? Or actually, should we be moving and we really should be moving towards the garden kingdom of heaven? In Eden, we were asked to doubt God's goodness and God's provision. The exact same things that Satan tempted Jesus with in the desert. So when are you tempted to doubt God's goodness? When are you tempted to doubt God's provision? And when are you tempted to take matters matters of your life into your own hands and move ahead of God's plan and move ahead of God's timing? Um, And that's the thing with temptation sort of getting it faster thing, it really does just seem tempting, doesn't it? Maybe I'm the one who's starting to sound a little bit like a TV advert these days. But the reality was that Adam and Eve weren't going to stay in the garden forever. Otherwise, how would they fulfill the Genesis 1 blessing to go and fill the whole earth? And so Jesus, likewise, when he was in the the desert, he was going to rule over every kingdom and every principality. But the devil tempts him to get it faster. The devil tempts him to take the easy way out. And that's the challenge. When you are at your lowest ebb, when I am at my lowest ebb, temptation comes easier. That's the moment where you find yourself fighting left, right and center because you're most vulnerable to temptation. And so praying against temptation is what strengthened the disciples. And that was the higher perspective that, uh, that Jesus was trying to give his disciples. And ultimately, himself facing up to that temptation. But it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So that was Jesus' final moment um, before he headed off to the cross. And so the last lesson we can take from this is that sacrificial love and endurance requires us to crush our pride. You know, in the story, we have Jesus living in the shadow of the cross. You know, the shadow of the cross stretches from Eden to eternity. And we're granted this briefest of windows into the anguish that God and Jesus must have carried for those who are separated from 
their love, separated from the love of God. And you know, the cross didn't take Jesus by surprise. This won't have been the only moment that he felt the weight and the burden of the cross on his life. He'll have carried it every day he walked on the earth. But that's the thing, where you come really close, where you come close up to that moment, to that event. It's the anguish that, that overtakes your soul or the kind of pain in the pit of your stomach. You start to feel those things. You know, that, uh, that, that gut-wrenching moment, um, maybe a few days before a, uh, a loved one passes away. Perhaps it's uh, those moments before a test or an interview uh, that are coming up or a disciplinary conversation where you know you're in the wrong and you're going to have to face up to some of the consequences. Or perhaps you have to be honest with someone um, about their behavior or your own behavior in a situation. You can feel those moments of anguish and you can feel those, those turning, you know, the turning inside the pit of your stomach. And they're usually most prevalent just before that thing's about to happen. And here is where we get that window into Jesus' soul. We get that glimpse of what it was like to carry the weight of that separation for Jesus and for God the Father. You know, a lot of the stories that we tell ourselves about human endurance sound a little bit like this. They sound a little bit like there's one person who finds it within themselves to overcome the odds, to defeat the adversity and achieve great things. We tell all these great stories of survivors. And I don't want to take anything away from these stories. You know, the ones where that one person finds it in themselves and they dig deep. You know, I don't want to say that actually there aren't moments where we need to dig deep and find something fresh in ourselves and some fresh inner strength and courage. But what I would say today is that actually... In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is hinting that that may not be the best way for us. You know, when you were called into Christian faith, when you were called to be a follower of Jesus, you were called into community. You were called into relationship. And when I say relationship, that's not just a relationship with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, but actually you were called into a communion of saints, of other believers, and you were also called into community with the heavenly host. And in Luke's account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see something different, something different from what we see in the other three gospel accounts. We see Jesus being prayed for by an angel. We see him being ministered to by an angel. It says an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. You know, when society tells you to be self-reliant, Jesus shows up and demonstrates what it's like to accept help. Just pause for a moment. Just pause for one moment now and imagine Imagine yourself in Jesus' shoes. Imagine yourself in the, the disciples' shoes observing this. And you have got Jesus Christ, part of the Holy Trinity, creator of heaven and earth, and all those in the heavenly realm, accepting help from a being he created. That is absolutely phenomenal. As I started to prepare for this talk and engage with this, this concept completely floored me and changed my approach in terms of how I was thinking about asking for help. 
Because in the very moment where Jesus requires everything that's within him, he accepts help. He receives prayer. He's strengthened by those around him. That's absolutely mind-blowing. The perspective that God is giving us there is completely different. When you become a Christian, you are called into community. You are called into relationship. And that looks like being able to say, thank you. I do accept the help that you're offering in this scenario. And I want to challenge you this morning. What does that look like for you? What have you been trying to do in your own strength? What have you been trying to do in your own understanding? What do you need help with? What are those aspects of those trials and challenges that you need help to face? Who's trying to help you and you're turning them away? Who could you ask for help? A good friend of mine always says, you get 100% of what you don't ask for. And so can I encourage you, as part of your discipleship and being part of this community of believers here at the Light Church, ask for help. Seek help. You know, as part of our, um, as part of our service, although it's online, there are opportunities to interact. There's the request prayer. Um, can I encourage you, if you are facing a trial and a challenge, there are people out there who are waiting to stand beside you in prayer. If you are actually in physical need as well, please, there are people who, who want to help and support. Reach out and ask for help because that is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it means to be a disciple is actually to say, I can't do all of this stuff in my own strength and I need help. God, please help me. Community of saints and believers, please help me because that is the perspective that Jesus is giving us here. You know, I titled this talk in my notes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, who strengthens me. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is where that comes from in the Bible. And, uh, and this is because I believe that that is what Jesus was trying to teach us in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was trying to teach us actually where we get our strength or where we can get our strength when we are faced with our trials or we're faced with serious challenges. And so here's just a summary of what we've talked about today. Here's a summary of what we can learn from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You will be strengthened for the challenges and trials through a healthy rhythm of prayer in the good times. You will be strengthened for the challenges and trials by praying that you won't fall into temptation. And you will be strengthened for the challenges and trials by asking for help when you need it. I'm just going to pray for us as we close and I'll hand back to the team this morning. Lord God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for his humility in leading us and teaching us. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the way that um, it guides us through the scriptures and teaches us new things and new ways to live. Lord, help us to take from today what we need to take from today. 
Lord, lead us into better rhythms of prayer. Lord, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. And Lord, help us to be humble enough to ask for your help and the help of others at times when we need them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day. 